welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Newton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into the Six Again podcast, our second episode, the 2022 season. Uh, Jared and Adam here with you. How you going, buddy? Yeah, good. It's been all sorts of fun the last couple of weeks. How are you going? Really tired, but for good reasons. Uh, shot down a Brizzy yesterday, see Benny Taylor for his birthday, and right. went out to a bar, complete COVID safe, and had about... <laughs> 10 or 12 sour beers, and I didn't have any taste buds this morning, which is brilliant. And Australia won the Ashes 4-0. Um, yeah. After England absolutely collapsed on the third day, which yeah, I, was hilarious. <laughs> it, it was, but, like, I think Stuart Broad said it best. I'm pretty sure it's between... Uh, fourth and the fifth game or the third and the fourth game, he came in and said, you know, the best bowling attack in the world, but if you get bowled out for less than 200, you're not going to win any games. Yeah. It, it was really strange because in the last couple games, there was changes in the batting, batting lineup for England. But mm-hmm. the majority of the series, they chopped and changed the bowling attack like, look, six or seven times. Yeah. It was ridiculous how many changes they made for it. But the, my point is there was less changes in the batting lineup than there was the bowling lineup when the bowling lineup was doing a half decent job. Like Australia got bowled out for pretty shitty totals a few times for a series, but then yeah. the batting team just like fucking horrendous. Like that and poor old Stuart Broad and James Anderson, like as an Australian, you don't like that. those no, no, but you don't like those two for they're, they're the, many reasons. They're the premier fast bowlers for England for the last, what, 20 years or whatever it is. And the fact yeah. one's 39 and one's like 36 and they're still doing what they're doing. I had a bit of respect for them for that. And they oh, were running in all, all series, just getting pounded all around the thing, but still making it hard for the Australians. And then, they go into the sheds. They go, oh, I've got Australia for 10. Now I'm going to have a day off now. <laughs> Four hours later, they're fucked. <laughs> Straight back out there. They're bowling the poor bastards. And like, yeah, if I was an England fan was was or if I'm on the England board or whatever, I'm going, we just got beaten 4-0. And Lucky. Luckily, 4-0 because the, the fourth game should have, yeah. Australia should have won if it didn't rain. So it's like, neither Smith nor Warner got centuries. And... We hit five for the series, two from Head, two from Kawaja, and one from Labashane. Yeah. And Kawaja wasn't even in at the start. You look at the going, wow, we just got our butt kicked. And Australia's best two batters of the last, well, recent memory, didn't even get centuries. So, and then I looked at, at the end, I always like doing, I think Fox Sports did as well, putting together my best 11 um, between the two teams. And it's funny you, you mentioned the England bowling attack. They were much better than their batting, and I couldn't get any England bowlers in anyway. No, I couldn't either. Like that, but they, they they troubled Australia enough. Like if you're going to oh, pick yeah. the best team, you could probably only have Milan and Root from the no. English squad. They're the only two you could probably think of. No, um, I, I had more. Well, I didn't have, have I didn't have Milan. 
um, for one. Well, I was I rated him throughout the series higher than bloody. I, I worried about him wanting root throughout the series. Yeah, but you look at the position where they where they bat. When you do series comparisons, basically, it's like a a one on one sort of matchup. Oh yeah, that that's fair. We all drop root lower down the order at least. But then you have to replace Head, and he was like Australia's best batsman. So I ended up yeah. having um, Rory Burns. Oh hell no! <laughs> so the openers from both teams were just not not one opener had a really really good series. So well, just... Water started all right. He got out for three times in the nineties. Like he started three. all right. Two, two two or three times, whatever. He started all right. Yeah, he he just uh, Broad was in his head again. But anyway, I end up going with Harris and Crawley as the two openers. Harris? Uh, yeah. Marcus Harris over Warner. For this series, yes. The guy who averaged 20 as opposed to Warner who would have averaged about 30 or 40 considering he did get those two 90s and a 60. Yes. He also didn't get two ducks. Um, oh, in the last game, that didn't matter. I'm pretty sure he would have got two ducks somewhere. Um, Warner gets ahead of Harris. Bloody hell. Warner was horrible. And Harris wasn't much better, but they were both really bad. Um, Can't put Kawhi to there because he only played one game at opener and it was horrible as well, as was Rory Burns and so was Hamid. So it was pretty much any time the openers walked out, you're like, there's going to be a wicket within the first 10 overs. And it usually was. Lavashane, Root, Head, Green. Except for England. Yeah, so I only had Crawley and Root in for England, and then from five down it was Australia. Yeah, Root, I don't Root was better than Smith. Yeah, Root was better than Smith. And then it lasted. Head Green, so, Terry Cummins, Stark, Bowl, and Lyon. So in two thousand and twenty-one, England only won one game, and every time, every other time they come close to a game, Root scores a century. No one else's English team has scored a century. Like it is. They're like the fourth best year of a batsman in history or something like that. Yeah. And see, the thing about it is they're all like, oh, we need a drop in this captain. Who else is there? Uh, like, you can't have Ben Stokes as their captain because the ball bastard has to do everything else for them. He has to bowl 140 Ks. <laughs> He's in within 15 overs of the game on the batting line. It has to, like, every time he comes in, you're like, oh, here we go. He's going to start swinging. But... There's nothing the poor bastard can do. Like, yeah. you can't have Stokes as captain. You'll burn him out after, like, two series. <laughs> I feel so bad for that, man. Like, it Root's the only one they can consider as captain. And I, I don't think he deserves to lose his captaincy. There's nothing that boy could have done more in this series to... Oh, look, there's always things you can say, but he was the top run scorer. He didn't very rarely drop the Yeah, captain. no, I, I get all that. It's just Captain Sue was pretty bad. Well, not bad, but it's ah. just there was a, a fair few times where he could have done things ahead of time instead of reactionary. But anyway, we are a rugby league podcast, I promise. We'll get to it. And yeah. anyway, it's good to see the the rear of England and um, we'll beat him over there next time. We'll say that Joe Roo's doing yeah. sport of century in Australia and I'm stoked about that. Oh, that's so Oh, funny. and big other news. Virat Kohli has set down as English test captain. And the reason English he set down was, Oh, sorry, he's India's test captain. And the reason he stepped down was he was about to be fired. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 
Well, no one okay. is under more pressure in cricket than the Indian captain, whoever it is. So it's affected him. So let's get on with it. The world Indian cricket. So, uh, <laughs> regular league wise this week, uh, I got to have a really cool chat with Sean Buchanan on Friday night. He's um, one of the one of our listeners and is on Twitter as well at five eight. Was up? Was up? I like that. And he posed a question to Gus Gould, and the reply is what triggered me to get in touch with him. So we'll cover that. Uh, we'll be going over our starting 17s for Manly, Newcastle, and Canterbury coming into the 2022 season. Uh, there's a fair bit of signings news and a couple of. Start the pickup. Sorry? Start the pickup. Yeah, it's starting to pick back up. The signings and the news coming out of rugby league. Thank you, Jared. And um, just some other stories with regards to COVID, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we will start with um, Justin Holbrook and his comments through the week saying bigger squads could be a COVID necessity. So basically traveling with a larger squad than you usually would. Um, so if someone does test positive instead of the entire game being postponed, if you've got a... Hockey used it largely, they called it a taxi squad. You can call someone straight in and that player drops out. Um, in today's world, it makes sense. Um, obviously, it's not something I want to see going forward, but while COVID's still around, um, it, it it's a way to hopefully limit the main of postponements that may happen. Yeah, I... I was just curious about the logistics. Can you explain taxi squad? Do they train with the main squad or they do like New South Wales Cup and they train separately? So then when someone does go down, they can just move someone from the taxi squad up. Like, yeah, is it so... a, do, my point is, do they stay together or take the 10 extra players they bring in or do they travel behind them like a following camp? Yeah, I'd assume like it, it is a little bit different because in American sports you've got a your feeder club sometimes can be in a completely different city and its entire club by itself. And when players move up and down by the club, it can take days for the transaction to occur, depending on where you're at, all that sort of stuff. Um, whereas in the NRL, your top squad and your fringe squad still pretty much train together, but they they're the opposition or they're in a post session. So I would assume that you're, what do they take, 20 generally? So you've got your 17, your 18th man, um, oh. and then your two, well, oh, sorry, then your actually, three, so it's 21. No, no I, was at, I, was, I was thinking that, in, so the top 30 contracted players, yeah. last two years that had to go on the bubble, yeah. I'm thinking Justin Holbrooks wants another 10 on top of that 30. Uh, That's what I'm thinking because um, in case something does happen when they go in the bubble again, like last year, what was it? Warriors were only being able to name 18 players or something for that reason. Yeah. Um, because they couldn't get people to do the proper isolation protocols if someone did go down to come in. In, in time, um, I I was more thinking that it, yeah, it leans more towards the bubble 
and then they go from 30 to 40 because the whole 30 man squad would come into the bubble with thing or is it uh, yeah okay it yeah, might be 25 yeah, it might be 35, so an extra five players yeah. you have on your 30 men. It wouldn't count, obviously, towards salary cap and stuff. It'd be players from your feeder club, but at least have them training with the main yeah. squad. They know the players and all that sort of stuff. And the second part of the story, which I found quite amusing, was he was talking about uh, the BBL and teams having to call up club cricketers to fill gaps in the 2020 lineups for the state teams. And I thought that was funny because it's pretty much just a club cricketers. Uh, BBL is a joke. Of sport if you anyway. want to actually see something really fun, the videos all over the place on Sportsbet about who they should bring in. They bring in like John Howard and Pat Fatty Ford. Oh, yeah. The best crew. It's so much fun. Go in there, close your eyes, swing. Yeah. See what happens. Oh, I am. Um, I'm a firm believer of bringing in 11 batters and you'll win more often than not. But that's just my opinion on it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this goes ahead. If it's something, yeah, like 35 that you take to each game when you're traveling, um, even if you travel within, say, two two squads that travel. So if the yeah, that's, goes that's down, the part no I was a bit it. curious about. Um, so imagine if one player gets COVID for whatever reason, um, if they're in the bubble, that's probably unlikely, but if yeah, the world is out there. COVID is also yeah. running amok in the world. Um, if one player goes in, then he's symptomatic and walks in training and he changes, interacts with everybody. And that's my question. If there's like a sort of followers camp who train separately so they can bring him into like a isolation camp, you want to call that. I don't know. I don't know what the protocol will be, but if one player goes down, if they knock out five players, but the followers all get COVID, it's still going to be the same issue. That's yeah. my point. Like, you got to have... Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's a mess that no one can win. We'd assume Welcome that the bubble's not going to come back, but everyone will be having to take and come back with positive tests before they're allowed to go on Legit wouldn't be surprised if the bubble came back. I would not we'll be surprised. See. I don't think many players will handle it. Many people handle it justifiably so, but I don't think, yeah. I, I, I think, think with this style, oh, this strain of COVID, I don't think the bubble's going to work anyway because if one person in there gets it, then everyone's guaranteed pretty much the way that yeah. this one travels. All right, moving on to um, the path well-travelled. Willie Mason has locked in a new coaching role. So he was coaching with the Bulldogs last year, um, kind of here and there, but he's been locked in now as a permanent coach with the title uh, transition pathways officer, which kind of scares me a little bit. Um, let's just hope that he has learned for some of his own mistakes and his own path through the sport. Um, thoughts on that one, Jared? Oh, no. Oh, no. We, we Mason never really been in the public eye giving his opinions about the sport. Um, two ways I'm looking at this. Two way, one, one way is absolute goldmine where he's just going to be able to do his job really, really well and no one really expected him to him other than the Bulldogs hierarchy. Like, mm -hmm. Or on the other hand, they're trying to bring back the the history of the Bulldogs, like it was a... Yeah, I think it's more along that line and... Yeah, but that, about, 
his like, role uh, will work closely with players of all ages within the pathways role. I, I get that. Yeah. But uh, and I, I like it as a consultant coming in every so often as like a up here to like get into a fact, but not a someone every day around, not like someone who has to his job is transition the pathway should be challenging these kids mentally with new ways of doing things consistently. And if he's just there to go, you know, back in 2004, when I went to Clive Churchill, we did it this way. And that's the same fucking thing. He's parroting every single time. Is that going to help your pathways or what? Like that's, that's my, if it's like that, that's my issue. But he could surprise me completely and be the best pathway officer in the NRL. I don't yeah. know. That's very much a Gus Gould move, I think, getting the Bulldogs back to where they were. And one of the ways, and many clubs do it, is by bringing in players who are successful in that era. And Willie Mason was definitely one of those for the Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, On to another, well, a, a recently successful club in the Melbourne Storm, recently in past um looks as though the covid saga is going to take another victim with regards to nelson asafa solomona so the melbourne storm have reached out on a number of times to try and get a contract sorted with regards to his vaccination status he's definitely a non-vaxxer he's very clear about that and it looks as though the decision is going to be taken out of melbourne storm's hands with asafa solomona very close to signing on um, for Japanese rugby union for the team that's Robbie Dean's coaches. So Panasonic Wild Knights. Panasonic Wild Knights, that's the one. Um, he has played rugby union, but not since a very young teenager. Because Melbourne Storm picked him up at 15 years of old. Uh, years old, blah. So oh. yeah, it's understood Rugby Australia will be keeping a close eye on the situation as well. <laughs> Of course they will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rugby Australia. Oh, my God. Yes, they will. Um, I still don't see him cracking the Wallabies because in their forwards are actually quite decent at the moment in the back row. And he's definitely not going to be cracking the All Blacks anytime. No, 100% will crack the Wallabies. What? He's not a back. Nah, um, he'll crack the Wallabies. So much, so easy. He'll just get a contract so he'll come over. That's, that's the... Union MO. Yeah, true. Yeah, they're kidding themselves. But the vaccination stance again will stop the will stop them likely um make an offer in the near future anyway. So talking about New Zealand uh, Japanese. I just don't I hundred percent just don't get this guy. I, I just you've got a dream job. You're highly thought of in the league um, with regards to your position. And I don't know, it's a, if it's a religious thing or something like that, I guess there's more understanding with your answer to the decision. But every time he's talked about it, he's talked about trying to use stats and stuff about why frontline people aren't getting it. And you're like, yeah, look, I don't I'm, know where I'm, you're getting your information from, man. I'm pro vax, I'm fully vaxxed. Um, that you we're to, dipping our toe into a bit of a fucking murky current social issue, right? Yeah, I know. I just um, you've got he, a pro club not, doing everything they can. They've supported you for this long, and 
yeah, if, you, well, if you're yeah. against it for a certain reason, I'd want oh, more like concrete evidence or something that's really See, having an impact on your lifestyle, the, whatever. The thing is. about it is, and you touched it right there, the only thing he's got is the loyalty to the club. But the reality of it is that if this is a reason he can get out of the contract and earn billions and squillions more money in rugby union. So, and he has this belief against the vaccination. He has a chance to set his family up for life. Yeah, I don't, I don't even, country. That hasn't and, anything to do with money yet, though. Well, not publicly. And I'm not saying that's his motivation, but I'm, what I'm saying is that his career definitely has a shelf life. He can earn screens doing less work over, overseas. Mm. And and I don't know if that's a that's a, just a general reason as to why he's not vaxxed. I, I can't tell you. He's got his own reasons. But the reality of it is that you say that he's got this green job. But he's not, he's going to have his dream job getting paid more to do less back in, in another country. Well, he's definitely going to get paid more. So he stays in rugby league, he's not going to get paid anything. And there we go. But he goes to the union, he's going to get paid billions and billions of dollars. And mount, is he, he, over there, he's going to look like a mountain man. All right. Last thing before we jump into that interview with Sean is getting you guys up to date with the other signings that have occurred. And there's been a fair few. So Titans winger Phil Sammy has extended for another two seasons. So he'll be there through to the end of 2024. Bit of reward there for all the improvement and development he has shown. Panthers hooker Mitch Kenny has re-signed with the club on a two-year extension as well. So that'll keep him through to the 2024 season. And that'll give him pretty much the starting dummy half role next year with Appy Corusau's uh, departure to the West Tigers. Um, Ash Taylor has been upgraded at the Warriors to a full-time NRL contract after signing a training trial deal with the Warriors. So that's really good news for Ash Taylor there. Interesting to see what a halves pairing with him and perhaps Sean Johnson could look like. We'll see. Uh, West Tigers have boosted their backline stocks with the sign of Stafford Tower from the Knights for the next two seasons. So Tower's grants are released by Newcastle uh, for the final two years. And... He's already been scooped up by the Tigers. And that kind of makes more sense when we look at the Newcastle team coming up. So we have a lot of outside backs fighting for, in my opinion, one position. So we'll see. Seagulls have secured three of their most exciting youngsters. K.O. Weeks, Tolu Kawada and Ben Trebojevic have all extended deals. All three of these guys will play NRL. One of them already has. And just so you do know, the Trevojevic's father is the groundsman for Manly on $800,000 a year. <laughs> uh, um, all three have come through recently successful Seagulls Pathways Academy and we'll be pushing for positions during certain times through the season I you think, would assume well definitely Ben's not Ben's not in the top 17 but he'll, he will be he's very very close he played a few games last year yes yeah. and we talked about Tamari Martin last pod pretty sure yeah, cool. All righty. So just to prep you guys, I said um, 
we had an episode a few weeks back called Crazy Concepts that Nick Wallace and I did together, and we put forward three ideas each that we thought would be really cool for the NRL to implement, obviously knowing they aren't ever going to do it. Um, but that was the point, come up with a crazy concept. And I saw a tweet by Sean Buchanan that he went to Gus Gould saying, hey, what about an FA Cup-style knockout rugby league tournament um, between NRL clubs, Q Cup, New South Wales Cup, and then qualifying teams below that, similar to what the A-League does with their FFA Cup. And what got me triggered on this was Gus Gould's reply saying, no, the score lot, there'd be too many blowouts in the scoreline. So I replied like the NRL last year and we got no reply after that. But it got me thinking. I reached out to Sean and said, hey, can you break down your idea for us? We did an interview. And I'm, when we post this episode, I'm going to put up a couple of pictures of what the draw looks like as well. And the last of his ideas that we didn't get to talk about. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Sean. So welcome into our interview. I've got Sean Buchanan here, uh, rugby league fan, and he's come up with a crazy concept, which for those who heard our crazy concepts episode three or four episodes ago, this would have fitted in with that perfectly. But we'll save the concept for a little bit. We're just going to get to know Sean. How are you, mate? Not too bad. Uh, thank you for having me. Oh, sorry. <coughs> Excuse me. I just had my dinner myself. Thank you so much for having me on. So it always like it's always like that on a pod. Um, mine's sitting upstairs actually. I just finished it. Everyone else is eating. I've come back. I've come down here to do this, so know exactly how you're feeling. Um, Sean threw his idea up on Twitter, and I saw it and reached out to him. He was kind enough to say, "Yeah, I'll jump on the show and talk about it." And again, before we get to it, what's your rugby league story? Who do you support? Um, how'd you get into rugby league? Uh, I was lucky enough to be born in uh, Nepean Hospital. So I'm a Penrith supporter through and through. Uh, I hate that already. <laughs> I'm old enough to uh, have remembered my town being covered in brown and white for the 1990 grand final wow. and the joy of 1991. Um, and then thankfully it, uh, it wasn't as long as it could have been as poor Parramatta fans have had to do. But uh, on the year I turned 18 and graduated high school was also 2003. So that was oh, lovely. Oh, mate. Perfect. And uh, now I've got four boys, three of them that play football, and uh, they all play for the Glenmore Park Brumbies here um, just across the road from me. Well, there we go. That's a... Um... And I'm on the committee. <laughs> oh, there we go. It's very similar to Jared's family and their association with their local rugby league. Um, we're talking before the recording that you used to also host the rugby league show on YouTube. Uh, yeah, um, used to host uh, Talking Footy. Um, couple of years back now we went for three seasons but uh it became a bit more of a hassle when afl decided to run their own show talking footy and i started getting bombarded with messages about full forwards which i've got no idea about so we ended up in, instead of having an ip problem we just cut our show right it's that's brilliant uh, as a twitter user have you ever seen the guy called steve smith on twitter and he just gets absolutely slammed because they think he's the Australian captain. Uh, yeah. oh, Ex-captain, sorry. Yeah, poor guy. I've seen him before saying, I don't know anything about fine yeah. eggs. Don't ask me why I've got to put him there. 100%. And we, we, we haven't had it as bad, but we're called the Six Again podcast. And that was literally yeah. the next season where they brought in the Six Again rule. And 
that was just horrible um horrible timing but at the same time people are talking about it so that can't yeah, be that's too it. Bad. word of mouth word of mouth from uh from phillip street well not phillip street anymore now it's no. from hall park it is all righty so what's this what's this idea of yours that got my brain all jumping around and regular listeners to my show oh sorry our show know that i love the out there ideas and ways to always mix up the game, especially with regards to fan interaction. And this is similar in one ways and different in every other way to something that I've talked about in a previous, previous episode. So why don't you talk us through what your, um, and who, who you pose this question to and what their reply was? Yeah, well, uh, it all started with Gus has, uh, was asked Gus Gould, the, uh, the legend that he, that he is, just a side note, I also happen to have gone to the same high school as Gus School, which is uh, just irrelevant on this one. But um, <laughs> Gus actually was having an argument with somebody about if a New South Wales Cup or Queensland Cup team could beat the Bulldogs, who were not travelling too well the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And it got me thinking about the Challenge Cup in the UK, how it's yes. open to all grades. So I'd ask Gus, do you think it'd be an idea to be able to have a cup tournament knockout just like they have over there and include the New South Wales Cup, the Queensland Cup, the second division teams, which unfortunately he quickly shot down, but that's okay. And uh, that's when you uh, contacted me, thankfully. Yeah, well, I, I saw the idea and it was, it was, um, it was partly your question, but it was partly Gus's reply as well where his reasoning seemed to be along the lines of the score lines would just be absolute blowouts. And my reply to that was, well, wasn't that the NRL last year anyway? Like, yeah. Um, and that's one of the things too, like, it wasn't always that way. I mean, we've got a history in rugby league. We used to have the AMCO Cup, the Panasonic Cup, the, the Lotto Cup. Uh, it was normally like a more of a pre-season kind of one but they also it, it would vary over the years so knowing that western divisions actually beat penrith in i think it was 1978 i think it was don't quote me on that i'm not um, gonna correct you i'd have no idea it's definitely possible for uh, a team that doesn't play in the top grade to compete and we've seen that over time as well in the english game for not just rugby league in the Challenge Cup, but the FA Cup, yes, which is a massive deal. And we've also now got in the A-League, the FFA Cup. And we have seen uh, teams that don't play in the top grade but have semi-professional players really pushing the other squads. Mm -hmm. A lot of those times in a lot of these games, you won't see the top teams play their top 17. This is normally a time when they find a way to rest players yeah. Uh, so that's when you do get the upsets. So if you were to just do it pre-season, I don't believe it'd work. I think it'd kind of just be a flash in the pan. You wouldn't get enough players. It'd need to be done properly. So as much as this is a pie in the sky idea, I've written down some details which aren't set in concrete, but I think could actually make this whole concept work. All right. So before we get to the timeline of where you'd put it in, I just want to clarify a couple of things that 
I'm assuming without actually asking you beforehand. So the first thing I thought of was the FA Cup as well and how that's set up. Um, one difference, a, a key difference to me though, I'm a big ice hockey fan and uh, ice hockey is yep. the pro sport where luck um, counts for more than, uh, luck counts for more than in any other sport with the puck bouncing and the goal and all that sort of stuff. Soccer's very similar with regards to that where a, a minnow team and I'm an Arsenal fan and we just got knocked out of the FA Cup by a second div team. You need one goal and then you yeah. just park everyone back in defense and you can get away with it. And that wouldn't work so much in rugby league because That's true. you can, there's that ebbs and flows. But my first thing I'm going to assume is in something like this, similar to the FA Cup, the top teams usually get buys for say the first three rounds um, before yeah. they don't usually come into the comps till say uh, the round of 32 or round of 16 yeah. or whatever it is that, well, it can't be the round of 16, it's not 16 in real clubs, but is that, yeah. Uh, along the same thinking that you had? Definitely. So I've got it down here, as I just grabbed my notes, that um, you would have, it'd be, now considering this is taking into account not just the Dolphins coming in, but also the 18th franchise that has to come in. Cool. It's going to happen. We know it's coming. Yeah. So that would de determine that we'd change the NRL season to 18 rounds, we only play everyone once. Ooh, okay. However, we know that broadcasters wouldn't have they'd, that. They'd say no, yeah, 100%. Unless we actually give them properly what's going on. So this, bear with me here. Yeah, so It'll be a 32-team knockout, complete knockout. Mm -hmm. So in the Challenge Cup over in the UK, they run a lot of qualifiers before they get to those levels yeah. and they will run it through so that the bottom eight teams from the Super League will start coming before the top eight teams of the Super yeah. League. But by that stage, they've already gone through about four rounds of competition. This would eliminate a lot of that. Cool. To be able to have all of them running concurrently with the NRL season. Yeah. There are three ways of determining that cup draw which give up it's they've all got their merits and it depends on how they really want this to go number one would just to have the 14 lower teams based off against each other number two would be the nrl team start off straight away against the lower ranked teams which would just be disaster cricket yeah. scores no good and the third one would be a random lottery like the fa cup yeah, yeah, cool. That the number two, you just want to cross out straight away. Yeah, you I think do so. not want something like that. Uh, so, because the way I've got it set up is, you'd have the eighteen clubs from the NRL in the club or in the cup. Sorry, mm -hmm. then you'd have five clubs from the New South Wales Rugby League, five clubs from the Queensland Rugby League, a New Zealand residents club. So that'd be a representative team. Uh, the Fiji Silk, Silk Tails have to be in there, as well as the PNG Hunters have to be in there. Because if we're going to do this and actually grow the game, and that's one of the reasons it's here, you can't just keep it centric. Yeah, cool. And the last team would be in would be a qualifier. You'd have to go through qualifying rounds, whether that be uh, a representative team from Perth. It could be a team from uh, the 
Ron Massey Cup, which is a level below the New South Wales mm. Cup here in New South Wales. So if you were to have, say, Brisbane Broncos playing against East Brisbane Tigers in the first round, not a great idea. Yeah. It's, you know what's going to happen. So can I just get clarification? So that gives us uh, 18 NRL teams, 10 from New South Wales Cup, Queensland Cup. So that's uh, 28. Uh, PNG, yep. 29. Warriors, oh, sorry, New Zealand, 30. Um, you said Fiji, 31. And then there'd be a qualifier to make it 32 teams. That's yeah. correct. With that yeah. qualifier, do you think, could be, say you've got five from New South Wales Cup, five from Queensland Cup. Could yes. they say the sixth team from both of them play off against each other? And that could be that's the, def- the wildcard awesome. sort of wild card round sort of playing. Oh, definitely. Um, cool. The only reason I've said that with the qualifier is because I'd want to keep the clubs that are playing in the cup not direct affiliates to the, uh, not the direct feeder team to the NRL. So I wouldn't want, say, the St. George Illawarra team, reserve grade, playing it. It'd be like when uh, in cricket you'd have the tri-series with Australia and Australia A. Yeah. So that was, one of my, that was one of my big questions in that if it was all New South Wales Cup and Q Cup teams, how would they substitute the players? Because Melbourne Storm have, say, three feeder clubs um, if the storm came up against one of them, or if the storm had a tie on the same night as them, but against two different opposition, um, how is something like that going to work? Yeah, what you'd have to do is you'd have to find out which of the teams have direct feeder clubs. So, with that, you'd have ones like uh, Penrith, St. George, Illawarra, West Tigers, and the uh, you couldn't have their direct teams that play in the New South Wales Cup qualify it gets a little murky when it comes to brisbane and melbourne due to Mm. the fact that brisbane no longer have just the standard reserve grade team like they used to have with toowoomba now they kind of spread their players around well unfortunately that's their fault they should have more of a streamlined uh, way they do it and melbourne obviously just due to geographical reasons they can't have people playing out of fitzroy so that they pull a lot of their teams from or a lot of their players from the Queensland Cup. From my understanding at the moment, it's still mainly East Brisbane, isn't it? So Melbourne? Yeah. Yeah, and Sunshine Coast, that's their direct um, club. Sunshine Coast Falcons. Yeah, that's theirs. Um, And then... Then that'd mean the Sunshine Coast is out. They, They couldn't qualify in. Because the problem with that is you can't... The Melbourne if this is the time when you kind of rest plays and you bring other people to play in, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to weaken those teams unless they could find a way around that by bringing more people in through say the under, under 19 from the Sunshine Coast team. Yeah. Well, which they do do in the FA Cup. So say like they'll usually have like in the round that just played with Arsenal, it's uh, we're up to around 16. Um probably half to three quarters of the squad are your Premier League regulars mm-hmm. and the rest were Premier League bench players generally. So you, you do yeah. get that mix, whereas Nottingham Forest were playing their full strength team because they don't have, um, like this is their big stage of the season. How yeah. is looking at it there would be, um, yeah, that would be the biggest issue. How are you going to 
pick certain clubs, not pick other clubs, that sort of stuff. I was thinking, I was going to throw this idea to you as well. Were you looking at going down to A grade of local comps or is that, do you think that's too big of a, too big of a gap? I don't mind it at all. Um, what I'd be more inclined to try and get them to do would to be have uh, a team of like a selectors from that competition to choose the best A-grade players to represent that area. So whether it be Group 10 or Group 7, things like that, if it's the Parramatta Junior Comp or just the well, Parramatta Junior mm -hmm. Comp, say they pick the best out of Greystains, Cabramatta, all the rest of those, Wentworthville, all available there. Same with, say, if it was uh, in Queensland, the A-grade competition there, you'd pick the best of the Inala, the... Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. ...and make a representative team, and then you'd go in, in the qualifiers to try yeah. and qualify in. Yeah, cool. That I like that idea. I kind of... My way of thinking that was a little bit different, but I think that way... Yeah, it minimise the number of teams. How it did I had in my head say you got your local comp of A grade, the top four yep. from the previous year automatically qualify for next year's um, Buchanan Cup, we'll call it. <laughs> and so you'd have um, say the four top teams from Sunny Coast, the four top teams from Central Queensland, the four top teams from Parramatta, uh, whatever, and they play during their regular season. Um, so they play on weekends. They'd play one of these games say, on the Wednesday night as qualifiers. So I think that would be too many teams, whereas your idea, having a selection team at the end of, say, the 2022 season, that selected yeah. team, regardless of if they choose change clubs or whatever, they'd be the representative team for the 2023 uh, Buchanan Cup. And then that you'd yeah. probably get you, yeah, say another five and five plus the New South Wales Cup, Queensland Cup. You could even just end up going top five of the previous year qualify. Um, oh, definitely. So top four plus the, only, the fifth place getter. Now, the only sticking point is the direct, um, yeah, the direct uh, feeder teams to the NRL. Uh, but it I depends. Reckon, I reckon you'd be able to include it. You just, you I, just I think wouldn't so be able too. to have them versus each other, obviously. No, um, but look, that's the part of a knockout competition. It can mm. happen. So. It, it, it muddies the water when it comes to that part, unfortunately. You could, you would love it from a um, neutral's point of view to watch the Melbourne Storm versus the Sunshine Coast Falcons. Oh, Melbourne yeah. clubs would never sign off on this, just so people are aware, because the last thing they'd want would be an injury picked up from their feeder club versus their top club. That's why they have non-contact jerseys and stuff at trainings, obviously. Um, but from a neutral's point of view, that'd be freaking brilliant. Like, when Harry Grant was coming back from injury, you would have had Harry Grant versus Brendan Smith both versing each other in a Melbourne shootout, which would have been really cool. Um, it wasn't that long ago that the All Blacks brought back the uh, Possibles and Probables test uh, yes. game, which uh, was, I remember watching that, loving it, absolutely mm. loving it, and having no well, dog in the fight because I'm Australian, I didn't really care, but I just loved to see those guys, the Possibles, give it to the probables to show that they're worthy of it. And some guys did that and got picked on an all-black tour out of that game. So, Well, that was it, a carrot. It's, it's an all-black jersey or an all-black tour. What's the, what's, yeah. what's the carrot here? Because it's going to take time for 
it to have say pres prestige and pride like we know state of origin players would play for free oh, you'd hope yes. they play for free um yeah because there's that uh legendary status this as a brand new competition what is there yeah. as a carrot um, obviously there has to be a prize money involved. Um, there's got to be a way to get around to intensifies that. It's the same way they had the Auckland nines. Like how are you going to have, uh, you know, the people take it seriously? We put up a lot of money. That way the clubs, lot, yeah. yeah, there's got to be a lot. So there's got to be a way of sponsorship to be able to get it. Um, whoever, if you can convince the sponsors that this cup is going to mean something, and treat it like it means something, incentivize the clubs to make it mean something, then it becomes what it is. For the top teams, you don't want to be seen as the team that didn't mm. beat a lower ranked team. But also, it helps out if you're playing like, same as with the English Premier League, uh, I'm a Newcastle United supporter. And for we've been everyone, we've just been terrible. Yeah, we've the been last few years, lot, but, especially. Yeah, but even during the Alan Shearer years, we were never good in cup competition. We were always doing well in the Premier League. Mm -hmm. We find a lot of the teams that aren't doing very well in the Premier League, who are struggling down the bottom, they put a lot of emphasis on the cup. Yes, but we can't make the finals, or we can't make Euro we're going to do everything we can to win the cup. So you will see teams that, well, oh, look, we've been struggling this week. You know, we're not, we're not making the finals. It's not going to happen. Let's put all our efforts into winning the cup. Because in the, so for those who be, don't know the FA Cup, if you win the FA Cup as a Premier League team and you're, you don't finish in the top six, it gives you automatic entry into the Europa League next year, which means they play in Europe and there's more prize money up for grabs. Um, if you're one of the top, top teams and you're usually playing against the best teams in Europe, like Manchester City, or Chelsea, um, Liverpool of recent years, there's really no incentive for the FA Cup outside of um, the pride of winning because it's such an old uh, competition because the prize money is pales in comparison to what they'd be getting in Europe. Um, for NRL, it'd have to be... There's no international competition for them to go into to compete. It would literally need to be, hey, you win this, it's $5 million straight back into your club facilities or something like that. Yeah, I, something like that. I think $5 million might be a bit of a stretch. Yeah, true. I just, but, um, first time it came to my head. I'm thinking of like Premier yeah. League money and that's nothing. Yeah, uh, but there could also be other concessions that are given to the club as well. True. Uh, where it, whether it's uh, just spitballing here, whether it's salary cap concessions, something mm. simple like that. So we don't give you, don't give you liquid uh, assets as in cash, but you can earn that kind of stuff on the top of it. That might give them a big incentive for the Brilliant. big clubs. Well, I love it. It's a, it's definitely a pie in the sky concept, but we've seen it work yep. in the A League. Um, albeit a much different setup to what we've got in the NRL. But I want to thank Sean for jumping on at very short notice. So we'll wrap it up there. It's a, a good half hour. And um, I'd say good luck to the Penny Panthers, but they've had a couple of good seasons. And um, 
we've had a fair bit of feedback. We were down at the grand final in the prelims last year and it was um, all the Penrith fans I've met down there. Very nice. The ones I've met on social media. It's a bit hit, bit more hit and miss. But I think I think that social media is hit and miss for every club. You know what? That's one hundred percent true, except for Parramatta. Yeah, take that. Yeah, deal. no, you're you're right on that one. Bang on. Uh, well, good luck with um, your three boys playing footy and the fourth boy, whatever he decides to do. Good luck with um, your Springwood tie, uh, Springwood, yes, yeah, Springwood Tigers and Penrith. I know they uh, that's. That's my old club uh, from in Queensland. Uh, yes. No, we're the Glenmore Glenmore Park Brumbies. Oh, Glenmore Park Brumbies. Gee, man, yes. You, Loyalty is true to Penrith and true to was it Glen? Sorry, Glen Glenmore. Glen, Glenmore Park. They almost put Glen Glenmore and Springwood together. Then, um, Ooh, they, but, they, you never know. They could play each other in the cup. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, so good luck for all that next season, and thanks for jumping on, mate. Thank you so much for having me. That's what my dad said. Okay. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that. And thank you again, Sean. All right. Our best one to sevenines for Newcastle, Manly, and Canterbury. We did Cowboys, Titans, Broncos last week. And pretty much as soon after that, Cowboys came out and said Val Holmes will probably be playing left center. So I've shifted him from fullback to left center and put feet out back at fullback and actually really like that back line. Let's start with Newcastle. Jared's boys. Next one down. I found this one mostly straightforward. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty easy to prop Newcastle one. There's not many people. There's a good comparison of not many people pushing for spots, but not many people like pretty set players in their positions as well. Uh, minus a, a few key ones. Mm. But a big news came out, well, I think it was three days ago. Jaden Braley is torn his Achilles and he's out for, was it, five to eight months or something. He's had surgery today, I'm pretty sure, from the Newcastle boards. Um, it's a big blow. That is possibly the biggest blow we could have considering we just lost Mitchell Pierce. Yeah. And I, I honestly, if I had to pick a number one to 17, I would prefer to lose anyone but Braley for a long period of time. Like, if... Yeah. He's that crucial to Newcastle. It's scary. But as I said, we, well, no, I didn't say, but it'd be interesting what Newcastle do next if they just keep what they've got or they go out in the market. Just remember they have a spare 800 grand from losing Pierce. So they've got a bit of money to spend if they do want to bring someone in. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure who at this point. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we'll see. Um, but Ponga. Plays fullback, obviously. I've actually got Edric Lee, who just signed a, who recently signed a training trial deal with Newcastle after his contract ran out. I hopefully they put him in the top thirty and he gets a run because I think Newcastle are looking a lot better with Edric Lee on the wing, mm -hmm. um, and I've got Heimel Hunt on the other wing with Gay Guy at best in the uh, in the centres. So I don't right. think much is going to change from there. I, I don't think. I think that's pretty reasonably strong with size and speed there. Um, I'm pretty happy with that. In the halves, this is going to be what's different. Last year, Clifford was making a really good combination with Mitchell Pierce, but now Adam Clune, as far as I'm concerned, is the best option to go there, considering um, I don't think they're going to go after a new halfback now this close to the season. So I think they're going to put Clune at seven with Jake Clifford. And then you've got Safidi. 
and Clemmer up front. Last year, they've done a lot of starting games with the Safidi twins at props. I think Clemmer's their best starter. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of rotation going on. I just prefer him. With I've got actually Chris Randall at nine to cover Brayley, but I'll get to that in a bit, bit later. Um, I've got Frizzell and Fitzgibbon on the edges with Barnett at lock. And I've got Kurt Mann, Sawaso Sue, Jacob Saifidi, and, and Brian Jones on the thing. So I think the key there is pretty well out of clue and a halfback. But what I've got is Randall rotating with Mann throughout the series, throughout things. So justification for that is Randall and Mann are the same player as Jaden Braley. So Randall has got the record for the most tackles on debut, um, making 68 and missing two. Kurt Mann can't tackle the shit. And, but he can run, he can attack. You combine them together, you get Jaden Braley. This is the only solution I can came of a decent hooker combination. That's the only reason I got Mann at 14. It's the only way I can think of it. There's a few other options from Crossland in there, but I don't know. There's no other options. Yeah, there's no other options. Yeah. Um, so I had 16 of the 17 players you had. Yeah, right. I'm so, guessing not in the same positions, though. No, pretty them. much. Pretty much. Yeah, it's, a, it's pretty set team. Yeah, I had Dominic Young on the wing instead of Hunt, but I had Hunt, oh, Hunt as geez. my 18th man. So Yeah, right. That's what, I don't mind that. He's very, very quick in size. He just can't, he's got very bad hands. That's why, yeah, he was a winger. Oh, they kind of need hands, but right. No, they Catch and put it down. <laughs> he was all right. He was Jason pretty good Star. last year. Uh, yeah, there you go. See? Um, yeah, Clifford and Clune. Either Saifidi twins starting. I think just yeah. as Clement continues to get older, um, Jacob Saifidi is going to be taking on a larger workload anyway. May as well start it while you've still got Clement there as a mentor. Um, yeah, Fitzgibbon, Frizzell, Barnett. So I wasn't real fussed with Fitzgibbon's play last year, especially come back from injury. He was very yeah, mistake prone. So I was putting a question to you. Um, is there the possibility of Barnett playing on an edge or is he just an out and out lock? No, he played on the edge a lot last year. He's very, so, very aggressive on the edge. But the problem problem with him is is his aggression. Yeah. So Barnett, um, a lot of teams exploited him on the edge because he has a tendency to shoot up. He's very big on the big hit. Big mm. on the big hit. He's very, very that can be that's coach, his thing. Though. That, can be, that can be, but in the NRL, if you've got a second role who's going against his current instinct, uh, instinct it's very, very accident yeah, prone right there. That's why I like him at lock, where he can be covered, where he does that aggressive push in. Yeah. Um, but I just had look, an option there for Zell and Barnett on the edges and Sue at lock and have Fitzgibbon coming off the bench. But yeah, see. You're exactly right. Fitzgibbon had a horrible year last year. He he has potential, that bloke. He, yeah, he, he does. really does. He's got the size. He's got the whole run. He's, I don't know. I think he tries too hard sometimes. I, I don't That's know what I think the issue was when he came back from injury. Yeah. He was trying to do too much. Well, see, when he first came out, he was really strong hitting those holes. Really, really strong. And then I don't know if it was O'Brien or Brown or... Fitzgibbon himself, he wanted to do the hit and spin a lot. And that was a really, like, um, 
Ponga would give him a short ball, he'd hit and spin and try and duck it around back to Ponga, which, you know, in great, great theory if it works, but it didn't work half the time. Everyone read it. He just he, he wasn't good enough at it. So he picks up that or he just goes back to the original hitting that hole really hard because he's a lanky motherfucker. He's hard to tackle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's he's got a lot if he gets his head right back to where he's debuted, he, he's got some potential. Yeah. Uh, I had, um yeah, Kurt Mann at fourteen as well. Brody Jones. It was on my bench it was Man, Clemmer, Jones, Sue. And yours is yeah. Man, Sofidi, Jones, Sue. Um, yeah. How much do you reckon impact Gagai will make in Newcastle? Because as much as he did last, last time. Last time he did everything himself and had no one around him. Yeah, well, this time you have a bit more around him. Um, I think I think it just rounds out that back line yeah. a lot better. You know what I mean? Like, it just looks a lot stronger. Because last year, well, they had about six or seven play, yeah, players. Tawala, Sasaji. Uh, Shibasaki. Hunt. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, yeah, they had a lot. Brody Jones started once or twice in the centres. Like they, Yikes. and having Gay Guy there, that is, it kind of just locks it in a bit better. Yeah. Um, now, so there's other players that you'd expect through here to push for positions. Braden Musgrove, Bailey Hodgson's an unknown coming out of the UK. Yeah, he's a young um, fullback. Musgrove's been a bit unsettled. Is it the he was at the Knights? He went to Manly, didn't get a run there. He's back at the Knights. Um, went to Troy, um, Phoenix Crossland have been pushing for a couple of seasons, but haven't quite got across the line. So I think actually, I think the biggest loss, <laughs> minus Mitchell Pierce, is close to Josh King. Like he he was just a young front row on the bench who did his job every week. There's no fanfare. He, he went and lost him, and huh? he, he's a big human being, but he hasn't, um, he's very, very slow, and it didn't help that he broke his, like, had a corkscrew fracture. That, in the TV that was that year. one, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it was horrendous against Canberra. I watched that game, too. Um, I think Josh King is, is a massive loss. He's going to Melbourne this year. I think he, there's a lot of plans around that bloke. Um in the next couple of years, and I think it was a mistake letting him go. I really do. All right. Where's um? So with our one to seventeens, we're doing a rough prediction, and um, we'll do a more accurate one as we lead up. Where are we seeing the knights in a bracket of four? One to four, five to eight, nine to twelve, thirteen to sixteen. That Braley nine to twelve. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I look, I. Like I said, I'd rather lose Ponga than Braley. Yeah, to be honest. Like, yes. I actually like would too. Like, yeah, Ponga's like if you look a at game Newcastle, breaker, a game winner, and they play a hell of a lot better with him in. But yeah. how's he going to get the ball? What's the service from Demi Half going to be like? Is Yeah. Very, gonna... one, of, one of the most underrated hookers in the comp, I reckon. And, and you've lost Pierce, so where's the creativity going to come from and the control through the middle of the well, park as well? Yeah, that's a lot is going to be on Clifford, uh, Clune, sorry, because yeah. Clifford's, Clifford's this one. But the big point, yeah, it, it, it's massive. And if you, Newcastle highlights, the best highlights Newcastle could produce last year was when Jaden Braley, I think he ran down Tony Staggs or someone like that. And he, he, if you look at the highlights, it's massive. He puts him out in the bottom corner and he may already made 50 tackles that mm. game. And that, that's what we're going to be missing 
and it's yeah, just, a heck of a sort, it's so sad. Alrighty, we will move on to the seagulls. Alrighty, so to most people, this uh, backline should be pretty easy to pick, and so I made it completely different. Six nine. Oh so no, here we go. On the on the list for manly, there's only eleven backs to choose from. They're very thin in the backs. So oh, we knew man. that last year, like, and they haven't signed anybody, and oh, they've lost Suli. So I want to ask. So yeah. Newcastle lost Pierce, which they got eight hundred grand out of. Mm. You just lost Suli. I don't think he was on a high contract. Do you have any money? It was on two like, fifty. I think. Yeah. Well, do you do you have any money to go after anyone? Like, I, I I just don't know. Like, it seems like you know what would be really easy way to find out is if all the salaries were transparent. Oh yeah, but see. like, I'm really curious because you've got a lot of money tied up in Turbo and DC and Jake Turovich, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look across that squad, Walker and Foran would be the next ones who are big. The rest of them, I don't see too many high no, contracts at you. Well, there you go. So, well, that's my much. point. Like, foreign wouldn't be on much either. Tapau's on a bit, and they looked to try and offload him in the offseason, but there were no suitors. So yeah, he's back so, for another year. I don't want to lose him have anyway. You, we, have you paid anyone else, like, out of, out of, out of Manly? I, I just don't see where all your money is. That's And it's not a crack. They might be just managing, like, saving their pennies. But I, I think, yeah, they're surely you can buy the outside back somewhere. They yeah, definitely could. And yeah. Like considering how many how many outside backs, like you guys weren't even considered in the conversation for Addo Car or you know anyone like that. But I don't I just don't see where we unless all your money is literally like you've got a four for your a thirty your bloody salary cap from Tom Trevojevic, which I would understand. Yes, but yeah, it's just I don't get it. Well, you've got Schuster and all the cards who have come along. Uh... Well, I wouldn't say yeah, they expected, but they wouldn't be on big contracts. No, no, that's what I mean, though. But they're in a position to be playing starting the NRL while they're still on cheap contracts. So, so you're thinking that they're going to throw a lot of money at these two blocks, like the young guys? Oh hell yes! So, like, oh, which they should. I don't. I, I, it's fantastic, but currently, like, I just don't. I just don't see it. Eh? Like, uh, they like so they've used up some of the money re-signing some players who I wouldn't have. I would have let walk. And like I said, Ko Weeks, Koala, and Spentrobojevic are all part of Manly's future because they're ultra talented, especially Weeks and Koala. And Paseca, oh, yeah, you just must be saving your pennies because you got Saab on the cheap too. Yeah, and then you got Sione yeah. Finau still coming through. Manes Finau still under contract technically. We'll see what happens there. And there's um, no way anyone would pay Parker and Garrett more than twenty bucks. So no. Well, let's look at our list. So, <laughs> so I've got, I've got at number I'm, one. Garrick no, no, I, I put Garrick at number one. Um, I, I just think he deserves his spot. Turbo Man, only got like thirty-five try assists. I, I expected him to get thirty-eight. 40? Yeah, he felt so short. I was, I was a bit disappointed about that one. As well. Yeah, um, let's hope he doesn't go run down the main street of Manly anymore. Yeah, true. Um, so, Turbo fullbacks. Yeah, Walker and Parker in the centres. Yes, D- Dylan Walker in the centres. Yeah. And um, Koala in the centres. Oh, boy, you're just giving him a run. I want him to debut because even <laughs> he's not going. If, if we're going to have a centre making mistakes, 
I want it to be the youngster who's learning at that level rather than the two they're going to not offer any more than they've ever yeah, done. Right. Uh, look, Adam's pretty famous for not liking Parker. So. No, no, no. I like them as people. They're great club people, especially Parker. He's come through the system. He does nothing but good things for the community and the club. No, but you don't like him. I also team. want my team to have the best chance of winning, and he's not anything above average. He, like his defense is his you best know, attribute, you know and he was found out so much last year, you, especially you know for in the run finals. Two redheaded children. You, you got something against redheads. <laughs> Boy, I loved Alan Tung. He was great. I, I, I still, we, we still haven't figured out how Adam got two redheaded kids. Though. Hey, well, no, no, no. um, yeah, well, bloody hell. <laughs> so four uh, in the DC and the halves, obviously. Yes, it, it's like, and it's then a you sh- got. I was going to say, Christian Tui Pilotto, I'd love to see him get a run, but I don't see it happening because I don't want to... Is he a six or a seven? So is no, he's a Schuster... winger. Oh, sorry. Okay. We so... saw him from the Roosters uh, previous to last season. And George Tafu is still on the books. So when foreign is legs give out, yeah. which is going to happen any day now, yeah. um, Schuster goes into six. When Cherry retires, I think he's got one year left, two mm. years left, something like that. Who goes to seven for Manly? Uh, the other Fenia, I would say. Okay. Okay. So Schuster and Fenia, are, are they the kind of combination you want where one's organising or what's the go? I, like, I haven't with? seen enough of Fenia to yeah, right. say so. Like, our, it's a hard thing living um, in Queensland unless I get it. It's pretty hard to find New South Wales Cup games, etc. especially if they're not fully recorded and you just see the highlights. Like, it's hard to glean a lot from highlights except for the finishing touches. Like, how did the team actually get there on the park? Who yeah. was directing them there and all that sort of stuff? So it's been hard to watch that sort of stuff. But um, going through the um, junior club, where is he? Oh, K.O. Weeks is a 5'8", but he's also a fullback, and he's super silky, super smooth. Um, he's going to be an awesome, awesome player to watch. Moving forward. Yeah. Um, where's the other See, one? Sione Funa. He, there he is. Fullback as well. Uh, you're a lot of fullbacks. Technically, yeah. Tim Simone is still in the books. Uh, <laughs> See, um, the, 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 the reason I ask that prop. is is a very, very talented player. And I love the fact you guys are getting him game time without the pressure of having six on his back. I love it. I reckon it's this, the best way to do it for you guys. Yeah. Question I've got for him is that he's very... How would I... Tricky? Like, he's very, very foot-pass oriented. He yeah. loves them. He's good at them, too. You can't blame him for that. But the question I've got is... In today's game, where speed off the mark is like the epitome of love right now because you need it in the six again rules, um, will he be a liability stand one one step off the scrum at six with his size and no. his lack of speed? He's good enough. Like, he's not quick. He's not quick. <laughs> Well, he didn't say, like, Cody Walker's got pace and he's still a liability because he can't tackle. So Yeah, but that's his defensive technique. I'm not questioning his technique. I'm no, questioning no. that 
I'm questioning the reality of the fact that right now, when you guys are defending, Foran goes to halfback on the scrums and Cherry Evans goes to six mm-hmm. because you, Foran's not quick, quick enough yeah. across the thing. Will Schuster be identified as a slower version out wide when he gets to six on his back eventually? They could do, and that's that's if he gets to six. I wanted, like, if he was going to get six, I kind of wanted it last year. Like, it is good having him playing the reps at this level, but there's also then going to be two seasons of second row skills and development, so you kind of have to not unravel, well, see, but I pick think apart the sections that are going to be used in the 5-8. I honestly think... So you can kick a ball in two years. The hard reality of an NRL play, I'd like you to have this conversation with one of my partner's friends the other week, is you look at... Definitely Nathan a one-way Weimar conversation. When he... De- no, she, she was looking at very good-looking rugby league players. I was showing her. Um, so you look at... Yeah, I showed her a picture of Adam. Um, you look at Nathan Highmarsh when he debuted, very lean, but very strong still, quick off the mm. mark. But when he... When he retired, he was an absolute monster. He's full barrel chested. His arms were mm. fucking. Um, Juice is only going to get bigger, in, my, in other oh, words. God, He's I not going to lean down. So that, that's my only concern of him playing six is that he's going to be too slow when it comes down to it. Because he's, he's got to weigh over 100 kilos now. 106. Yeah, well, that's a big, big 5'8 these days. It's a very, that's actually a monster 5'8". It's not, there's no room for 5'8s that size anymore. You know what I mean? Like, there's no... no without quick the game, that's a battle. Second row, that's fine. Like, that's a good weight for a second yeah. rower. So, so on the Manly website, they see him as the long-term 5'8". So, they'll, they'll cross that bridge, yeah. I guess, when they get the, to it. The forward pack. So, this, this is, this is, is the I'm curious about. So, you got the pad and the second up front, which I'm, I'm pretty sure it's... Walk on. Our, That's our, right. It, it'll be to power per second. Uh, walk on. I got nothing against that. I ended up going with Alloy and to power as walk on. Yeah. Um, but Alloy got destroyed last year. Just like, remember Melbourne game. He just got ripped apart. Oh, he did in that. Um, he did. Yeah. So the question I've got, and back to the money question, is why Croker done a very very good job at nine. Yeah. How come you guys weren't in the market for a nine? Is it you reckon you Finau is going to come back this year? That was the hope. Um, COVID didn't help all that. We already talked about that with his um, court case and that being pushed back and back and back. Yeah. He's more talented than anyone that's on the free market. Anyway. And Do you reckon being out got, of the game we've got for money in two years? Oh, he's been training and everything still. He just obviously yeah. hasn't been playing the full game. But you don't lose your skills. It's just going to be the, the impact and the contact and the speed, that sort of stuff. And he's one of the fastest dummy halves in the game when okay. he's there. I, I, I don't have any concern. If it was like an average sort of run-of-the-mill sort of dummy Chris half. Chris Randall player. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, no, I'd, I'd be out looking for someone else. Um, okay, so but Lachlan Croker improved. Lachlan Croker did enough last year and more, actually, if I'm honest. Um, when I was concerned about what we're going to yeah, get no, out of our position, and with Cherry Evans, uh, Trebojevic, Schuster, there's enough creativity. He just gets the ball. I, I, I would like him to run more this year because when he did last year, it was quite effective. And well, not, I, not run to look to pass, just run. 
because he, he poked his head through a fair few times. I really struggle when when you guys are playing oh, Broncos Bulldogs last year. I was like, yeah, that's fine, that's that's all right. When you guys came up against the Melbournes, the Souths, the Pembroke with those elite hookers, mm. that's where I just yeah, you can just tell the service, the identifying when and not to run the. It's the, the yeah. talent out of hooker, the the, the flow-on effect that goes onto your forwards. You can just see that difference. And uh, we, we, as we said, we both had a higher rap than Croker, but he just wasn't that talent that we that you guys needed. And I think there's a big difference. A um, big difference when it comes to now. That's why we let Coruscant yeah. go at that well, time. The big question is, will Fino get off? That's, that's the and that's the thing that happened. Like they they had both them and both him and Coruscant signed, and they said, yeah. "Well, Fenia's going to be here our long term dummy half, so we'll let Coruscant go, and he goes to Penrith, and then everything happens with Fenia." And then we're like so scrambling. That, that, that's exactly that's exactly my point because you you took that gamble on Fenia where he's had the talent, he had the he had the youth, hmm. which is is what you needed. I, so I don't even think it was a gamble because it was playing that season with Coruscant anyway, and you could see well, well you what gambling he was doing. now. Yeah, gambling now. Gambling yeah. now with the fact that you just, like, you didn't even put your hat in for Marnie. You didn't even put your hat in to get Coruscant back from mm. Penrith. You, you're gambling now on the fact that he'll get off. And if he doesn't, you know, there might be another hooker running around you can probably yeah. steal, but, but you, that means your, your long-term plan didn't work off. And this is a long-term plan for this. Like, and then he's also got to live up to his potential as well. Yeah, true. Because you guys risked what wasted two years without getting a long term hooker. So it's it's a big risk. I hope it works out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we won a comp with Matt Ballin and Well, you asked the Broncos, he's a Broncos hooker coach. I love he's Matt Ballin. But he was he, he, he never say he was creative. Well, that's the thing. He he's well, teaching Jake Turpin how to be creative right now. He's a creative hooker mentor at the Brisbane Broncos currently. Wow, okay. Um, so i got Schuster at Olakatu at second row with Jake Stoyevich at lock. Um, I've got Sean Kepi, Alawai Sipley, and Carl Lawton on your bench. I love Carl Lawton. I think he's a great utility yeah. for you guys. And pretty sure there's a few games he started at second row last year for you and absolutely killed it. Yes. So he can play hooker, he can play halves, he can play in the centres, he can play in the forwards. He, he's a very yeah. quality player, this bloke. Yeah, I've got Carl Lawton, um, Paseca, slash Alawai, whoever you want to start, bench. Um, I went Bullimore over Kepi and Sipley. Because yeah. one thing our That's forwards right. don't have is speed. speed. And Bullimore has speed. I would love to see him on an edge rather than in prop um, to give Olakar to... Uh, even even now and then shoots for a break because we just don't have anyone that's even close to their level of impact or skill. Like Andrew Davies, a run-of-the-mill second rower, but you lose a hell of a lot of aggression um, oh, for yeah. speed stuff. And uh, Morgan Boyle. Uh, there's Sean Kepi and Morgan Boyle, exact same player. Yeah. And then the, the other one close, that'd be Ben Trebojevic. I, I have him as 18th man. Uh, you could have yeah. him in there. But he'd be taking um, probably Sipley's spot 
if they're going to run Bullimore as a prop, so to give you two props, uh, a second row and Carl Lawson. Um, I think I think I think Bullimore needs to play on the edge. I really yeah, me do. Too. I I don't see him as a prop, and that's why I couldn't fit him in this squad. Yeah. Um, because but, I rate simply high and Bullimore. Yeah, in the prop position. Yeah. No, simply the second row. Isn't he? Crap. Okay, I put Bullimore instead of Sipley there. All right, yeah. Bullimore instead of Kepi. Yeah, there you go. So, so we got the same team. We got the exact yeah, same no. team then, except for the centers. Um, yeah, no, it's how I've got this bench set up. Basically, is a rotation of five props: Tapao, Alloy, Bullimore, Sipley, and Paseca, and Lawton there. If someone else needs a break, and this, I can just run at him. Just go. No, no let up. Um, bracket for Manly. Um, between four and eight. Yeah, I've got them in the same spot as well. Um, what we didn't do was gains and losses for either team. That's our bad. Bloody hell. I'll run through that quickly. We did this last week. So, 2022 gains for the Knights. Adam Clune, Dane Gagai, uh, Chris Vialia, Leo Thompson, and Christian Mathalangi. Uh, 2022 losses, Blake Green has retired. Josh King went to Melbourne. Mitchell Pierce went to Catalans. Jamar Chibasaki went to Rugby Union. Safato went to the Tigers. And Connor Watson to the Sydney Roosters. Um, for Manly, there we go. Gaines, Ethan Bullimore. One of the best names if he makes it NRL. Gordon Chen Kum Tong. Um, <laughs> Jamie Humphreys and Jacob Seitz. Uh, losses, Cade Cust, Tavita Funa, Jack Kaszewski, Zach Sadler, Curtis Sirinan, and Moses Suli. The only loss I'm mad about you for that is Sirinan. Yeah. I can't believe you let Sierra go. Okay, he's just... Well, considering you need second rows. Yeah, I know, but he, he was good when he was on the field, and that's always been Sirinan's thing, he's staying on the field. Yeah, but that, that's that's your physio's problem, not your bloody... Not yeah, and that's what it came problem. out as uh, there was issues and all that sort of stuff there, but that was between Sirenan's dad and the club. Oh, so I'm well, more... That's another st- story, yeah. but like I, I, I rate that bloke, and I think he's a very big loss for you. Yeah, me too. And we yeah. didn't replace him. Well, depends where Bullimore ends up playing. He's a completely different style of player. Um, uh, yeah. Gary Bulldogs. Um, yeah, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be a big conversation. The biggest question is, do you approve of their recruitment? Because they're the biggest movers in the NRL currently. Um, like, when you saw it over dribs and drabs, you know, oh, it's a good player, it's all right, it's not a bad signing. And then you look at that whole team list and you went, did they get better? I'm pretty sure they got better, but did they get better? So it's not actually that exciting once you put it all on the paper next to each other. Well, so the best I like way the I fact can... they went out and did stuff. They they couldn't just sit there and do nothing. For me, the best way to the best way to explain it is they got players. They got some very talented players. Very very talented players, but the question is, did they get good people? 
that's what will get me. So, you know. Because they're going to like walk up and win games because they're nice. No, that's not that's not the point. If you, no, if no, you yeah. want longevity at the club, if you want yeah. a good atmosphere, do they at sign the club, characters? Good character people. You got you get you get quality people, um, and the people I'm talking about are in the mold of Luke Lewis, um, the Travoyevich brothers, um, the Morris twins, the. Cam Murray, those sort of players, you're like, yeah, there's nothing we can criticise you for. You play, you're just as talented as everyone else, but there's nothing, like, you're a good person. So, like, person. Paul Vaughan. Yeah, Pangolo Jr. To <laughs> yeah. Um, that, and Brent Naden, who, yeah. Uh, and you know what? These guys are very talented players, but I wouldn't build a club around them. And... My issue is that you bought Josh Adokar, great, and he, he's an exception to this because I think he's a great person, great media personality, always got a big smile on his face, but this bloke is incredible. But the question has got to be asked, was he incredible because of his talent or was he incredible because of people inside of him? A lot of Melbourne players fail when they leave, and that, that's a big thing for me. And... They, they put a lot of money into two players with Josh Adokar and Tavita Pangai Jr. Matt Burton. That too. There's three players. I would have put all three... That, oh, sorry. Start with what I said. Both of those guys' contracts into someone like Cam Murray and paid him $1.5 million and been happy with my purchase instead of having Adokar and Tavita Pangai Jr. No, Cam Murray was never going to be the book. No, but that, that, that kind of more mold of play, that's this the first guy on the top of my head. He's just the kind of player that I am absolutely stoked for South Sydney. I think they're going in the right direction, naming him as captain. Like that mm. kind of bloke where right. you, you got people like Penguin Jr., you're like, oh, mate, you do well for 20 minutes of the game and then drop the ball a few more times. And yeah, then well, that's the, that's the coaching... That's the coach's job. The coaching oh, yeah. uh, setup's job. Well, I'd like to get a little voice bite of two minutes of Wally explaining that stuff. Um, but, <laughs> All right, let's go but, yeah, no, I, I don't mind Duffy. I don't mind him, but I don't think he's going to be a team. He's going to be a fullback you can pull yourself out of the gutter with. No. Well, let's uh, have a look at the gains and losses because we'll be here for a while. So, games for the Bulldogs, Addo Carr, Braden Burns, Matt Burton, Josh Cook, Matt Dufty, Max King, Brent Naden, Tavita Pango Jr., Paul Vaughan. 2022 losses, Renoff, Renoff Atoni, Dean Britt, Nick Kotrick, Bradley Dites, Adam Elliott, Tyron Harding, Watson Halita, Will Hopawadi, Sione Katoa, Lachlan Lewis, Fala Kiko Manu, Nick Meany, Dylan Napa, James Romanus, Chris Smith, uh, and Dallin Wateni Zelezniak, which occurred through, throughout last season. Oof. Fair bit there. So, when I was doing up my team, there was a lots of, oh, I've got like four spots. These guys can go there. And if they don't do well this week, the next four guys can go there. There's still a lot of that, but less than last time. So, well, I don't know. And, and keep an eye on that because they have, 
top end of their contracts to a lot of these players. Like, there's a lot of heavy, uh, high price contracts in some of these boys that the lower boys are they're struggling to fit under the salary cap now yes. to get rid of a few people still. No, no, no. fullback, Matt Duffy. Um, I've got fullback with Josh and a car and Corey Allen on the wings. He's uh, got Braden Burns and Brett Naden in the centres. I don't actually mind that back line. Very, very quick back line. That's fucking electric speed. Not the best hands in the world, but very quick. Allen's probably the safest under the high ball there. I got mm-hmm. Burton and Av- Avrilo at six and seven. I got Thompson and Bourne up front with Joshua Cook. I'm just going to throw him in the middle because I don't rate Jeremy Marshall King Hooker. Yeah. He's like a poor man's version of Lockie Croak, and I don't really rate him at Hooker either. Um, I've got uh, Tavita Pangoi Jr. and Raymond Fatale Mariner in the second row with Josh Jackson at lock. I've got Joe Stimson. Has to play. Don't care what anyone says. That bloke has to play this year. With uh, Bailey bon- Biondo Otto as a utility, I think he can create a lot of havoc for a lot of players. Very, very elusive, that bloke. And Ava Sigma Fanangai, whatever his name is, and Max King at... Rounding out 17. Yeah, we had pretty much the same team. I think it was three differences. I'd have Rillo at centre um, instead of Burns. I had Burns as my eighth man. What? He played there last year. It was pretty good. Cool. Um, one thing that... Why well, you've got all that speed and you had... Avrilo and Burton again, speed um, in the halves. And then you've got a pretty much debutante dummy half is who's going to control everything and move them up the field. And Well, that's my issue with the Bulldogs. They haven't bought anyone too. So who's a hooker who can do that? No, no, no. I still, Flanagan's still around. If you, give oh, him, yeah. if you give him one job to do, just get us up the field, get us in good position, kick at the right time. We'll create everything. Um, him, I don't mind that actually. Him with Burton. So you have yeah. Dufty, Adokar, Avrilo, Auburns, Naden, Allen, Burton, Flanagan. I had the same forwards, except I had Tavita Pangai at lock um, with Stimson and Fatal Mariner on the edges with Jackson on the bench. Oof, Jesus. Yeah, right. I, 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 I don't think, yeah, honestly, it's going to make any difference the other way. Uh, but yeah, obviously, um, Jackson's going to lock down the middle better than Tavita Pangai. Um, Overall, you'd say, but with regards to meters, no yeah. One's... Look, look. I the only only concern I have for that is that you're wasting minutes out of Jackson there because with Pangai Junior, you can inject him when you need to off the bench when you need to create something. Where Jackson would just do the same thing in every minute of every game. Just tackle, 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 run, run, run. Might not make the meters, as you said, but no one's getting through that middle with him there. Yeah, it's also and no threat. With, with Pangai, like, with, with... The fact is that Jackson can play 80 minutes. Pangai cannot. And, oh, no way. But the ability for him is that you only need him on for 15 minutes to change the game. What about this, then? You start Pangai at lock, 15, 20 minutes. Jackson comes on. For Pangai, 
And then you can re-inject Pangai pretty much wherever you want for his second well, stint. Well, see, I'd rather Pangai come up against people who are tired. That's what I mean. So, because then, then he'll... on 25-minute mark. No, no, no. He will start, but the second time when he comes on, he's had his rest. And then the well, coach can then go, all right, now our props are getting dominated, jump in there, or they've got an injury on the edge, we'll throw him on the edge and run over people. Um, I just think that you need Jackson playing 80 minutes but he's to nice. walk down that middle. But it's only one side of the ball he's having an impact. Oh, I suppose Sevier is doing the same. But Bulldogs yeah, like, usually scoring points. Yeah, but you don't need to score points up the middle. No, but I want as many players on there that can. Yeah, I just not for the whole game. You need someone like Jackson, like, and then you, like I said, and I believe you've got Fatala Mariner and Pangai Junior. There, Paul Vaughan can score a try. Josh Cook is like a clone of Damian Cook. He's very, very talented. This kid, I've seen a lot of his, um, a lot of his games. He's very, very good. They, South Sydney were very disappointed to lose that guy. And then that's the point of how, and the advantage of having Burns and Naden in the centres is with Dufty, Josh Adakar, and um, Corey Allen, they weigh about two hundred dollars, two hundred kilos between the three of them. Burns and Burns and Naden puts the size in the back line too with speed. It's a very rare commodity in the NRL. True. So that's why I had them instead of Avrilo. But I 100% agree with you, Flanagan. I completely forgot about Hurricane. He should start at seven. I'm changing that. Yeah. I just looked up. Like when I said Bulldogs had issues scoring points. They scored 340 points. Melbourne scored 815. That's a gap yeah. of 475. So they got outscored by 475. That gap is more points than the Cowboys scored, the Broncos scored, the Warriors scored, the Dragons scored. That's 100 uh, tries. The Knights scored. Yeah. So, like, they... That's 100 tries. 475 is... Fuck. That's 100 tries in a row. That's, That's so bad. <laughs> wow. Right, that, that, is, that is huge. That, and that's not even counting the 75. I'll put down that, that 75 points of goal kicking. 100 tries is 400, 400 points. My gosh, that's horrible. Yeah. Um, but bracket, the, bracket their back line is very, very strong. Is the so ball going to get there and will they be in a good field position to use it? That's the. That's well, my I, question. I think the biggest issue, we, we haven't even discussed their biggest issue. No, I think Barrett's not going to lead them anywhere. No. Nah. Barrett's, Barrett's not the coach to lead this team, I don't believe. I really don't. Yeah, I think, I think, I think there's better coaches out there. Um, yeah, I who there's got to be another coach out there to take this team further. I'll do it. Got to be. You couldn't no, even win a premiership at C grade. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> has Barrett? <laughs> Probably not. Who knows? I'm um, having a look here. So, yeah, all right. Sorry, right. Yeah, cool. Um, bracket, where are they sitting? Bottom four. Yeah, me too. Um, will they improve? They, they can't get worse, but they've got a hell of a lot more talent. They, 
they're not the whole team's not just guys anymore. They've got players here that they can definitely have a more productive, more successful season. One thing we also didn't talk about is you've got so in our 17s, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So eight out of the 17 are new to the club. That's a hell of a lot of gelling. And it's going to take and time. Hold up. One, two, three, four of those eight were rejects from their club. Like Matt Dufty was told he wasn't wanted. Brett Naden was fired for the decisions he made before the 2020 grand final. Paul Vaughan is Paul Vaughan. That can't be argued at this point. And Tavita Pango Jr. was not wanted at the Broncos anymore. Hmm. So they're four people who I would say uh, Brent, Na Brent Naden, Paul Vaughan, and Tavita Pango Jr., three of those four, I wouldn't say Dusty, but three of those four created massive personality in their clubs, decisions they made. Yeah, and look where it's. Look at Scott in the doghouse. <laughs> well, look, as long as as long as Paul Vaughan can't invite anyone else to his doghouse, we're all good to go. That's it. Oh, what a way to finish the show. There we go. <laughs> so uh, I'm very excited. Tomorrow I'll be having a chat with a staff member at the Broncos and finding the ins and outs with regards to their youth development. It's finally coming after a couple of episodes of us talking about it. It's been hard to get a hold of people. So there'll be some of that for next week. Enjoy the interview with Sean, and we'll be back with three more 1-17s next week. What about Western Sydney, Parramatta, West, and Penrith? Yeah, sounds good. That'd be actually yeah. really interesting. I was speaking to Billy yesterday, Parramatta supporter. He actually threw up a really interesting option I'd like to throw out to you next week. Sounds good to me. See you then, bro. Oh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.